Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast exploring reproductive technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White and Ellen Trackman. Welcome to the podcast. I am Jennifer White. I am here with my sister, the amazing one, Ellen Trackman. (laughs) Welcome, Ellen. Thank you. Um, So last time you made me tell my story about my summer vacation. So now it's your turn. So you talk about at least, it may not have been your total summer vacation, but you you at least have to tell about the amazing trip I missed because I need to know what I missed. Okay, well, most of the trip was me crying that you weren't there, mm-hmm. but separately, it was super fascinating. So Jen and I were both supposed to go, and then only I went to the second uh, international surrogacy forum, and it had surrogacy experts from across the world, and it's so, you know, so hard not to just kind of see our own bubble and know how things work in the U.S. And we kind of know there's different things out there, but it was really interesting to hear like, you know, we're just a small piece in the world and there's so many other ways that surrogacy is viewed and how it's done. Um, So it was really, really fascinating. Um, I did lose my bag on the way back. And so (laughs) a week later, I was very, very excited that right before this podcast, the doorbell rang and my bag had returned to me. I thought it defected for a while, but no. It has returned. Um, and on not, your way home, you had an amazing travel um, travel agent who helped book you your, oh my your God, trip home. <laughs> it's true. And when I was stuck in Toronto looking desperately for other flights and it told me that flight was full and I was making you look it up, and you're like, no, it says it's still, it's still a ticket left on my side. And I was like, book it, please. And you totally got me home. So I really. Yes. That. See, if I had gone with um, you, I wouldn't have been able to get you home on time. Somehow, like your computer would have worked, or you still would have been able to do it. I somehow still believe you would have saved the day. <laughs> um, oh, so unrelated to travel, can I tell you my new exciting um, news? Yes, please. Lady, I just found out that I have an IMDb page. I. <laughs> what yeah i i mean i feel like we boasted from this podcast that but imdb <gasps> hasn't acknowledged the podcast yet but it did somehow have my ted talk so it has me and my ted talk on an imdb page so that's oh that's my, my exciting news i'm that's amazing autographs, anyone <laughs> yes uh i need your autograph now i okay right. i mean we have our ongoing from last week. Uh, people should be listing out where you think we should go on our sister makeup vacation because yes. of the fact yes. I did not go to Denmark with Ellen on this trip because of my medical stuff. Um, so wait, um, wait before yeah. we go into the episode, quick share with me what you like on vacation to give people hints of what might be helpful. Like, are you a mountain person? Are you a beach person? Are you active or a relaxer? What What do you like to see? Oh, I, I have like a dichotomy of that, you know, like I really like the idea of a beach vacation, but I really don't sit still very well. Mm. So I I like kind of that middle ground where you have enough time to like sit and people watch and do things like that, but also like active and get out and actually go and do and see things. What about you? Mm, I don't know. Um, But I have more questions for you though, too. Um, So are you like exotic or like, well, well, like Italy or something like Dubai I don't know something more exotic I I mean I I like both quite honestly just I'm up for I'm I'm always up for an adventure okay but well, your turn you gotta you gotta answer I don't questions know too. I feel like I like it all um hmm, I don't know 
a good question. I don't I okay. have to think about well, it. I'll stay posted. Stay, stay tuned. I'll see what I can come up with. All right. Well, you know what we actually need is we need a service like these ladies that we're about to talk to that we could like spit something into it and be like, give us the four best choices out there. <laughs> yes. Um, right. So all of our listeners are being that right now and going through our Facebook page and telling us what we should go to. But in the meantime, listen to these ladies talk about surrogacy is. Welcome, Sunshine Hansen and Casey Bohorquez. Did I pronounce that right? How do I do? You, you did good. You did great. Close. Uh, from Surrogacy Ooh. Is, um, we are excited to have you here. Let's start with some introductions. Um, Sunshine, do you want to go first? Ooh, okay. Sure. I'll go first. I, um, I'm Sunshine Hansen. I am the president of Surrogacy Is, which is... Um, my baby this beautiful thing that i've created with my husband and with casey who joined us shortly after we just got started and we are about to celebrate three years of doing this happy Um, birthday to your toddler it'll be july 3rd will be our our three-year anniversary which is so crazy because we started this and it was a real just like a little idea that we had and to see where we are now now we've just hired um, our 23rd staff member that we have on our team. And I'm just like, wow. whoa, That's this thing has gotten so big. Um, but I think it's just a testament to the need that there is for supporting surrogates. And so it's really cool to see how it's blossomed. And I actually got started here in the world of surrogacy. I'll tell you my um, origin story as how I got into Yes, please. Oh, we got a superhero, huh? Origin story. <laughs> so yes. when I first got into surrogacy, I was a uh, I was teaching high school English and I was like one, you know, living in Southern California and I'm not one of those people that got inspired to do surrogacy because I knew somebody who'd struggled with infertility or because I, you know, really had an altruistic reason that motivated me what my motivation was originally was that I was working so hard I was teaching which is a full time and a half job um and my husband was running a business and I wanted to buy a home in southern california so I was looking at like what are some creative ways that people come up with a down payment for a home and that was what inspired me to look into surrogacy and so I looked into it and I got started just from a friend had done it and I she referred me to the agency that she had gone with and I ended up having such a life-changing experience like what I had entered into to just get a down payment to buy a home turned into something that just like cracked my heart open in such a miraculous way that I was not expecting. So I carried oh. twins for a beautiful uh, gay couple that live in Australia. The twins are going to be seven or no, they just turned seven. And I went on to, I thought I'll do this one time and then I'll get it out of my system. And I totally got it into my system. Uh Famous last words, right? (laughs) I thought I would retire as a teacher and I would be an old lady teaching for 30 years. And that was what I would be doing. But I ended up switching careers and got into this space because it just, it kind of takes over it. When you have that void after your first journey, you're like, how do I, this has occupied so much of my mental headspace that I don't know how to put it down. So I taught for another year and then switched gears to get into this. And then I went on to do two more journeys. I carried a brother and sister for the same family. And uh, it was just beautiful every time. And I didn't 
I had an agency supporting me both times. I went through two different agencies for my journeys, but I didn't really feel like I got the type of support that I would have imagined or that I would have wanted to get as a surrogate. And then when I got into the field working for a couple of different agencies, I started on the back end to realize there's such a difference between the ethos of every agency and how they operate. And when you're a new surrogate and you're just Googling or relying on a friend to refer you to the agency that they went through, there's so much information that you don't know. And I just wish that there was a way that people could learn more other than just what's on the front page of the website or who's paying the most to be at the top of the Google pay-per-click ads, you know? Yeah. Uh, Who's saying the highest number of compensation in their ad? Like, those are the things that lure women to click on one agency versus another and then you fill out your application it takes forever it's like okay fine I I got this far I'm just going to go with this agency Um, so we wanted to create an opportunity for women to learn about the differences the nuanced differences between agencies beyond just compensation uh, location all of these things that go into it and um, uh, that's a pipe dream. Everybody has an idea, right? That we're going to reach a bunch of surrogates. I'm going to recruit a bunch of surrogates. I'm just going to get more women that want to do surrogacy. Everybody has that idea, but I have the benefit of having a husband who spent 25 years in marketing and he's a nice. brilliant technical marketer. And he was like, Oh yeah, we can do this. And um, <laughs> now the surrogate applicants are pouring in and we're just so excited and eager to support them. And Short, you know, during my stint working for agencies is where I met Casey. Um, yeah. And I, I say, I want to, I have so many questions I want to ask you <laughs> about this, but I want to let Casey tell her story before we go too far. Because yeah, otherwise sorry, I feel like, I'm I'm, yeah, so, no, no, you're okay. I just, I want, I want Casey to have a chance and, and I, I have a million questions. So yeah. Million and one questions. Yeah. I, um, my surrogacy story was, I guess, maybe a little bit of the opposite. I had a friend um, that struggled with fertility. So I, I remember, and we were in our 20s at the time, and, and kind of I had my first and then I had my second. And she had shared her story to miscarriage after miscarriage. And so often, I think women who have lost, they don't even share that with anybody. They hold that in. And and they, um, you know, and they, they hold that burden. And, and I remember when she shared it, my heart broke and it really ached in that place of like, that's not fair. <laughs> and, and how do I fix this? And so when surrogacy was brought to me as this idea of this opportunity to help somebody in that way, I couldn't imagine my life without my girls. My kids are my entire world and being a mom has been my greatest joy. And so Entering into surrogacy was easy just because I was like, here, I want to do this for you. I really want you to know what it feels like, you know, holding that baby and watching those milestones. Um, But quickly, kind of similar to Sunshine, I did a lot of research because I thought I'm going to make sure that I know all of the questions I should be asking. But when you're going into this process, not knowing anything for surrogacy, I remember kind of thinking, oh, my God, there's so many things you don't know if you've never gone through this process. So. I applied with a couple agencies who asked a couple questions, very preliminary questions like your height and your weight, total number of pregnancies. And I had an agency reach out and they're like, you look amazing. We have a family in San Diego that would love to match with you. We could have you pregnant next, you know, in the next few weeks. And I'm like, 
Based on your height height and weight? Wow. (laughs) And then I said, okay, I need to take a beat. I need to make sure that I'm with an agency. Now, thankfully, when I did that Google search, I, I did get so lucky. And I know that that doesn't always happen. I found an agency that was doing it right, who who did do the things that needed to take place to make sure you have a safe experience and did value what I was looking for in a match and heard me. And so I did, I went on to have an amazing experience. This was in 2010. <clears throat> and like many of us do, I had that first journey. And, and a few years later, I'm like, what am I doing with myself? I need to do this again. Cause there is that joy that you see when you see those parents hold their baby for the first time. So went on to do a second journey. The second couple was um, international, which was really fun to experience because my first one was a domestic local couple. And to this day, we have a relationship um, with both of the families that I carried for. But like many of us do in this profession, after my second journey, I said, I am going to throw the degree, the bachelor's degree that I have and pay for, and I'm not going to use it because that's nonsense. And I'm going into this world of surrogacy. So here um, I've been in the industry now for going on 14 years and and have it look back and I think meeting Sunshine and her passion when we both worked at the same agency it was this moment of the yin and yang coming together and we we've so many things that we ideas that we know are necessary to share with surrogates and this kind of where surrogacy was was developed and created which has been a lot of fun. So here we That's are. Amazing. Uh, right. And I'm just being nosy. What's your What's your bachelor degree in that you're not using? <laughs> Criminal justice. So it's like oh, I'm saving the world, but How just in a funny. different way, right? <laughs> I, I, you know, it's funny. As somebody asked me once, they're like, um, "What degree would I need to get to go into this?" And apparently, we have a theme because mine is my throwaway is also injustice and public safety. So, <laughs> oh, so funny, man. Right? Go figure. So, right? So that is apparently the answer. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there you go. We just want to save the world. We're just doing it, creating one baby at a time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I'm interested. I'm going to kind of flip back towards my questions, and y'all can decide who who wants to answer. Like, I was especially interested by Sunshine hearing you talk about that you went through two different agencies, and obviously, and then you worked for another agency, and you guys both have had experience with with situations like this. But what do you see? as kind of the worst part of agencies? And I know that's a really broad question, but I really want to know from your perspective, what were the worst parts that you dealt with? I I know there's like unethical, horrible agencies that do horrible things. Like let's throw the outliers out, right? We all know those exist. But you know, you both went through agencies that you said, hey, we're reasonably okay experiences at a minimum. Like what was the worst part of it for you? Sunshine, I think you should take that. Yeah, in my first journey, I um, was with an agency, and apparently, I didn't learn this until years later, actually, after starting surrogacy, is they were going through some sort of staff shakeup and transition at the time. But for the duration of my entire journey, because they um, they asked, you know, to work with us and get our referrals, and I was like, yeah, let's, let me tell you about what my experience was. And then we got to the bottom of why it was that way, and somebody that is no longer with that company anymore. But uh, I didn't know that I had a case manager. I didn't no. have, I never spoke to my case manager. My intended parents had a case manager and hmm. I had like ongoing psychological support. So I was able to connect with my um, psych person from time to time. But 
I didn't have a case manager. So like I could submit things for reimbursement to the financial coordinator, but nobody checked in on me. So I felt really alone. Like when I first started my IVF injections and stuff, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like they sent me this box of medication and they're really lucky that I am like a competent person. My intended parents are really lucky because I figured it out. But my husband was like, they're really just going to send us this box and all these needles and they're not going to like tell us anything. So we're watching YouTube videos and he's like, okay, I can do this. I can give you a shot. And he actually ended up being a really good little nurse, but I didn't know (laughs) who my support. So I didn't have support. I didn't have any guidance at my first experience. My second journey, I think my biggest problem was there were there were things that my intended parents desired in the match that they had expressed to the agency and um they thought when we matched that those desires had been expressed to me and that i had agreed to them and sure. they weren't Ooh, so what kind of things they wanted me to relocate at the end of the pregnancy from San Diego up to mm. LA cuz they wanted me to deliver at Cedar Sinai because my intended mother had had a really traumatic birth experience. And with I'm sorry. Her and the agency thought that was okay to tell. Sorry, I'm going to be incredulous over here. The agency <laughs> really thought that was okay to tell the intended parents. Yeah, we'll find somebody who's going to do that. Uh, Ironically, there's yeah. a lot of agencies that will, if it's, if intended parents, what we see now on the other side, as surrogacy is is concerned, you do have intended parents who have that request, and agencies who will you know, find this surrogate that is comfortable with it. But the difference is, is they'll find a surrogate, have a conversation oh. with her and make sure she's is comfortable with that. But in, in such a right. situation, they, they didn't, didn't ask me it prior okay. to the match. They just assumed, I guess. And so, or they forgot or it slipped their mind or somebody dropped the ball. A, I don't know. That's a big thing to let slip your mind though. Yeah. yeah. We had already gotten medical clearance and already matched by the time I found out this information and they were like, Oh, we didn't tell you. No, you oh. didn't tell me. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know that you want me like, that's a really big ask. But at the time I had, um, I had an 18 year old and I did, you know, I was like, okay, I can do that. I had a job that I worked remotely. I was a case manager for a surrogacy agency. So like I had to think about it, but then I, I was like, okay, but that was a big ask and they just assumed. And so that almost broke our match, you know, that our, our match almost fell apart after my intended parents had invested in uh, my psychological screening and medical screening and everything that could have all gone to nothing for them. Did you agree or did they ultimately come around so that you didn't need to? No, no, I agreed. I agreed to do it. And I actually loved it. It was really fun. I, and, and during that journey, I actually, we unexpectedly took in our daughter who we went on to adopt, but she was in a foster situation. And so it ended up being really a hardship for us, but we got through it. But Mm -hmm. I actually am so grateful for that month because my daughter was really attached to me at that time and she wouldn't let anybody else like help. And so she really bonded with my husband in that month that I got to be like the weekend mom. They would come up on the weekends and spend the weekend with me in LA and then they would go home in the week. 
and she would go to school, but now they're like best buds. And yeah, like a my husband in learned disguise. a lot about laundry and making lunches and <laughs> doing all the things that I would normally Wait, do. Wait, like, maybe everyone does want to relocate. Right. He's a different man. It's, He's a different man. It's like a little mini vacation because they they'll typically will put you in a, a verbo, a nice place, and you can spend that time there if it's something that you can do. You know, it, it kind of allows for a little bit of a shift, but that can't be for everybody, right? So it's just really going to depend on yeah, the I mean, the circumstances. I guess I and see so many surrogates who are yeah, right, and I see so many surrogates who are from I mean, pretty solidly middle class to income households that to do something like that would be a disruption to their work schedule. But it sounds like for you, you know, since you were working remotely, that was a, a little, you're working remotely before working remotely was cool, is what I like to say, <laughs> right? Because right? now that's way more common, but I could see at some point in the past, that would be a huge, huge disruption to life. Yeah, absolutely. So on the other side, and I'm gonna broaden this one up because this one is a little more fun and positive, what are the common themes you see of the best agencies that you experience? And it doesn't have to just be the ones you experience because you have a huge breadth of experience of, of working with a lot of agencies. Yeah, that's, there are. I think, yeah, I think my, my favorites are, is an agency that um, wants to pick up the phone and check in on the surrogate and the intimate parents and, and not just leave because one one thing that I see will happen is if there's a caseload that continues to get larger and larger, it's easier in some instances to text message or email and let that be your main source of communication. But I have a saying that is, you know, when you're going into a clothing store to buy a new outfit, the first thing the teller is going to ask as part of her job is, you know, are you shopping for anything specific? And a lot of times your quick response, even if you are shopping for something specific, a wedding, whatever the case may be, you're going to say no, because you don't want to burden. Maybe you don't want to lay that down and then have somebody following you around like a car salesman person, right? So I think a lot of times when you go and you ask somebody through a text message, how are you doing? Or a quick check-in via text message or email, you're missing an opportunity to maybe... Um, alleviate a misconception or a fear that that surrogate is having that if you had a phone to phone conversation with her and you hear her voice, you're able to start to build that relationship. So I think the agencies that are really doing it right are the ones that are taking the time and acknowledge that good communication, weekly communication, even when there's not an update, we, we all know the saying, hurry up and wait. There's a lot of hurry up and wait in this mm -hmm. process when it comes to collecting medical records waiting for the clinics to review records. There's so much hurry up and wait in this, but even in those moments that there isn't an update to be had, having your agency call you and say, hey, you know what? We don't have an update for you, but we checked in on those records four days ago. We'll follow up again Monday. That in itself will probably allow some relief to the surrogate to know she's got an agency supporting her. At least it did for me. And I know that that's it, something yeah. solid. And they answer the phone because I thought people younger than me like don't answer their phone anymore. I, <laughs> right? you'll, you'll, be, you'll be surprised. I think that's a misconception though because yeah. there's so many of these women. I mean, really, what we do at Surrogacy is and advocating is building relationships over the phone with these women. You know, they yeah. trust us. They want they want our guidance. They they look forward to those check ins to be able to have the support on the different topics as they're entering into those new, next phases of the process. 
And I would love to hear more. Sunshine started to mention how she had this idea and how much it's grown and changed. Do you mind sharing kind of what your initial thoughts were of what this would be and how that has changed at all or <laughs> what it's become to this point? <sighs> yeah. You know, I think my initial thoughts were we would um, help some, we would, you know, help some surrogates. We would connect with some agencies. We would meet with the owners. We would learn about their benefit packages and we would give a few options of agencies to these surrogates. And, and I, I didn't anticipate how much the surrogates that we connect with would really lean on us and how much ongoing support that they would need. So it ended up just growing and snowballing because so many people, I think they were, there was such a, a a need and a thirst for that communication and that connection and that like, okay, let me ask you this question. Is this weird? It, tell me if this is a weird question. I wouldn't feel comfortable asking my agency this, but this is happening. Or can you help me tell them this because I'm afraid to tell them. And um, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time to support a surrogate. And as that volume grows, we just need more and more people to do it. And I don't think I anticipated how many women we would reach. Like right now, we probably, our team is connecting with hundreds of women every week. So it's just crazy, the volume. I didn't anticipate. And I didn't anticipate that they would, like you said, that they would continue to answer the phone, but they do. They love hearing from their surrogate advocate. When they see that name pop up on their phone, they answer that call because they want to be like, hey, I just, you know, when you're a surrogate, we're, it's such a, to us, it feels like everybody's a surrogate because everybody we know is a surrogate. <laughs> but when you're a surrogate out in the wild, like we have women who are first time surrogates that are yeah. living in a small town that have never left their hometown and they've never traveled and they don't know anybody else in the world. And they're so brave and courageous for, for going on this adventure, but they want to talk to somebody else, not just for support about problems and things, but they're excited and they want to share their milestones and nobody else they talk to is going to understand and be excited like we are. And, <laughs> and like, we understand how exciting it is when you first get that first intended parent profile and you're considering whether yeah. or not to have a match call or when you finally get that medical clearance or when the IVF clinic finally reviews and approves your medical records, like all those little milestones, you could tell your best friend and your best friend will be like, cool, you know, but you can tell us and we, and we care and we're as excited as they are. So, well, and, and, and being that we're all experienced surrogates, we, we then can say, oh my gosh, you have your match call. Okay. Here are some really thoughtful questions you should ask them, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. <clears throat> bringing it a step further because we know what, what it felt like. And maybe we had some questions. I always joke and say, when I did my first journey, I went through my second journey. I was like, okay, for my contract, these are the things I'm changing because you learned and you kind of felt what that process was yeah. for the first time. That's kind of the, the guidance that we have the opportunity to support these women when it comes to what thoughtful questions you want to ask the intended parents when you're doing that match call to see if it's a good fit and bounce ideas off of. So it's neat that we have the ability to do that even. And I'm totally stealing that phrase from you, Sunshine. Um, surrogates in the wild. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, have a, we have a saying, uh, surrogacy is, uh, maybe I shouldn't say this, but um, it's like the wild, wild west out there. And our mission, you asked, you know, what did it look like? 
there was a time that we would say, I want to be able to connect with every surrogate to be able to give her the opportunity to ask all the questions that she has and to really allow for her to have the best journey that she's looking for. Because it looks different for every surrogate, whether she's looking for parents that are domestic or international. There's so many variables in all of this. So instead of her going to the wild, wild west and figuring it out, we really want to capture and be able to have the opportunity to help and guide her and get her connected to the agencies that we ourselves would be excited to go to. So I think that's been our mission now has changed so much over time, but now we want to be able to help as many as we can. And, and our mission isn't done until we've been able to connect with all of the women that are interested in all of helping them. All, all of the women, <laughs> all the surrogates in the wild. Oh, we have I, such a big community too in our Facebook group. Um, that we have of all the women that we supported from the beginning and that join now. And they just love that safe space because there is an online surrogacy community. I, you know, those of us who are professionals in this industry are all aware of it and how kind of toxic it can be and kind of mean and clicky and um, condescending people can be in some of those Facebook groups and our, like our, ethos is to always be kind and to always be kind even to women who put themselves out there and try to do surrogacy and then find out that it's not safe for them they're not then disposable it's not like okay you can't be a surrogate so get out of here there's still women who were brave enough and selfless enough to step forward and be considered and to and to volunteer they all have huge hearts it's just a matter that they can't they may not all be medically qualified. Yeah. And we have to support them too. We yeah. support our declined candidates, like the candidates that yeah. end up going through and they and like they mourn the loss of a journey yeah. that they hoped to have. And and they a lot of agencies when a surrogate is declined, and these are some of the reasons that we have maybe discontinued working with some agencies because we couldn't get an alignment on this, is when a surrogate is declined, you have to pick up the phone and call her and explain that to her. And thank her, not send her an email saying, yeah, I know you jumped through all these hoops and filled out all this paperwork and did all this stuff, but you can't be a surrogate. Goodbye. You know, um, no, I don't have time to talk to you. That's so rough that you go through so much, so much research to decide to put yourself out there and then to find out some little thing, some medical blip in your background disqualifies you. Do you have a sense of kind of the numbers of, all the women who put themselves out there, raise their hand, how many actually end up going through a surrogacy journey? I I can tell you from the number of women that take our initial quiz, um, about 40% of them pass that initial quiz. Wow. Okay. Okay. But then they have to go through other steps as well. Yeah. Then we have to get on the phone and interview them and go through their whole pregnancy history and everything. And I don't have stats on that, but I would imagine of those that actually pass the initial quiz, we probably end up in conversation disqualifying maybe 20% of those, Casey. Does that sound? I would say even maybe a little less than that, because usually when when they've taken that quiz, the quiz has got a ton of questions that will disqualify any of those harder you know, the disqualifiers that we know the clinics are looking at. And then it's really just understanding the full picture. So maybe a little less than 20%, but majority of the ones that we get on the phone, 
um, do go through and are able to get connected to an agency. Now, sometimes they might not know there was something on their medical records. I, and sh- you know, that and they, that's what I was about to say is yeah. that there's so many times when somebody has some, and I, as I always point out, like sometimes intended parents get very defensive on their side. Like, how did they not know that? And I'm like, sometimes medical providers try to soften things and yes. you don't always receive information the way it's presented. You know, so like my favorite example is always talk about like somebody's like, I swear I didn't have gestational diabetes. And, you know, what may have very well happened is the provider glossed over and said, hey, your numbers are a little outside of normal. What you really need to do is you need to improve your diet. And you, and they start talking about the dietary things and improvements there. And what the gestational carrier, potential gestational carrier heard was talking about the diet stuff. They didn't hear the words, you have either pre-gestational diabetes or early or low level gestational diabetes. So when you get, when she comes in, she didn't lie about it. She just may have not received the information correctly from the provider. So when we find it in the records, then sometimes she's shocked by it. I see that a lot with blood pressure too uh-huh. and hypertension because if somebody's having high blood pressure or hypertension, the doctor usually say, your blood pressure is a little bit high. Let's monitor that. And then they've had a diagnosis of hypertension, but the doctor didn't tell them that they had hypertension. Right. They don't know right. that. And they're, right. just, and they're not lying is what it yeah, is, what it comes right. down to is gestational right. care. People who are trying, they're not lying at all. It's just that they, they didn't know what somebody put in their medical records. And sometimes there, there are those that are lying, but even in that sure. case, um, that's why we have these checks and balances in place to, to make sure that it is safe for them. And I think a lot of times women, when they're being declined for surrogacy, they feel judged mm-hmm. and it's really important in something that we put into our practices, making sure that they understand the reasons and why for these requirements and that it's not because anybody's judging them, but it's because we're trying to have the safest outcomes first and foremost for them and their family Mm -hmm. and then for the baby and for the intended parents. That's exactly. That's what I always say is that there are two families involved in this is that, you know, yes, everybody wants to, to make the baby and do that, but also the gestational carrier needs to go home happy and healthy to her family too. That is equally as important. Well, yeah, and she's a mom too. And I think that, you know, mm-hmm. we always will, will, will lay in that place of, you know, how courageous you were to consider this big thing for surrogacy, but it's just not in the cards and it's nothing that you've yeah. done. It just really means that it's not safe. And you being a mom is first and foremost the priority over anything else, period. Exactly, exactly. So besides pick up the phone and actually call people, uh, what can agencies do better? Hmm. You're like, where to start? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's okay, wherever you need to, right? <laughs> you know, I think one of the things that uh, I saw that needed a little bit more finessing um, is being able to really, you're, you have the surrogate fill out a profile and a lot of times it's asking what she's looking for in that match. Um, one of the things that I seen time and time again when I was working as, because I was a director of service outreach for an agency, and what I found when I did that for years, we had women who would come to us and say, I didn't have a choice in who I picked. Um, I was told, this is the parent that you're working with. These are the only options you have, and really didn't get to know what she was looking for in that match. And so then she kind of felt like she was being pushed into a match, and this is it, this is all she had. and and there's a little bit of that, like, well, do I get a say in this? Um, and I think that is something that when we 
looked for the agencies that we wanted to partner with, we wanted to know that are they also taking into consideration what the surrogate is looking for in that match? Does she hope to match with a same-sex couple or, or um, an international couple? Or what is it that she's looking for in that journey, that relationship during, after, et cetera? And those are things that I think make a solid agency if they're looking really at the full picture to decide if this is a good match. I kind of explain it as a puzzle piece. Not every piece of the puzzle is going to be the right fit for every piece, right? So you really just want to make sure it's a good fit as a whole. And when you do that, that allows for an amazing journey because everybody is kind of, now there's no, it doesn't mean there's not going to be hiccups, you know, things come up, but it starts it off on the right foot for the success of that journey and outcome of that relationship. Yeah, thoughtfully matching, I think, is something that is harder to, I think, with the the surrogate shortage that we keep hearing about is um, agencies have intended parents that are waiting for a long time and maybe are frustrated with their wait time. And so agencies might be trying to force a match with intended parents with the surrogates that they have available, even if some things are not in alignment. And surrogates feel frustrated when they're they when they say they asked me these questions they asked me what I was looking for and then they keep sending me profiles of I you know I said I wanted a domestic a same-sex couple and they keep sending me this like international single mom or you know something that's really the opposite of what I was looking for and I think I think that happens out of desperation sometimes with agencies and I don't know what the solution is for that other than um, work with surrogacy is so you can have more candidates, but <laughs> that's not an option for everybody. But I, I think trying to force a match can only in the long run is just going to lead to frustration for the parents I, and the surrogate. I was going to say, I'll, I'll give my two cents as an agency side of a match that's not a good match makes my life really, really hard. And why would I, without, I mean, like I, my viewpoint is like, do the work on the front end, right? Get it right from the start. And then the match is actually super easy and it drives itself. So yes. yeah. I, I mean, I, I would hope other agencies, but that's always my viewpoint is do the, do the hard work first and the rest becomes easier. Yeah. 100%. Nail on the head. Woohoo. Winner. Um, <laughs> so I mean, I, I know, and we talked about this before, and you guys said I was okay for me to talk about this. So you also, you, you recruit, or I don't want to use recruit because that's not a great word for it, but you bring in surrogates, you educate them. It is. So you educate surrogates, you help guide them to potentially find agencies that are a good fit for them. You also recently have announced that you have started your own agency service. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and where that kind of expansion came from? <laughs> I'm going to let you do that, Casey, because this is Casey's baby and it's um, it's just getting off the ground and I and she's really excited about it. She's building a beautiful program and I'm just letting her run with it and watching. Yeah. It's been fun. I think the one thing that I know wholeheartedly we are excited about is that we have partnered with some stellar agencies that are doing it right and taking care of the surrogate. Um, but there are, there are some opportunities that I find myself going, if I was doing it, I'd be doing it this way. <laughs> or if I was doing it, I'd be doing it a little bit more 
differently to allow for more support or et cetera, right? There's, there's been those things. And I know that we um, have been in the industry a long time. We've had intended parents come to us. We've had agency, our partner agencies, and, and say, well, why are you not an agency? We have all these surrogates. And the surrogates say, well, why aren't you an agency? You know, I would choose you. And I think that that kind of been hindering on my heart a little bit because I, we, one of the things that we do at surrogacy is, is we then collaborate with our partner agencies. So it's not just about supporting the surrogate. It goes further than that. We are partnering with our agencies and we're looking for those partnerships where we do surveys with our surrogates. Um, it's at 90 days once they've matched with an agency and they're really thoughtful questions to really understand what is she, how is she perceiving this journey? How is she feeling through this process? Was her match preferences considered? Um, what was that process through intake like? You know, was it efficient? And we ask these thoughtful questions that are really more how she felt through the process. And it's more of a, a perception instead of really maybe there, that process was quick, but it felt slow to her. But we get that feedback and we go and we share that with our agencies because for me, I want to build the agencies that we partnered with up and I want all of us to be successful. And if a surrogate is happy, excuse me, happy, she is really going to have a thoughtful experience. She's going to be more motivated. And so having these agencies that we've partnered with has been fun because I know that we're doing something really special. And so kind of surrogacy is the agency was developed in a place of really wanting to put our our money where our mouth is. I, I don't know if that's necessarily the saying that I want to go with, but I, I know that I want, we have these high expectations for our agencies and I desperately wanted to be able to say, I can do that too. And we can offer that support and it won't be to all of the surrogates. We really want to still give these women choice in this. So even a surrogacy is surrogate who chooses surrogacy is, is going to be presented her options. And she'll have always four options. The very best four options. Typically we send to maybe seven, eight, 10 agencies that are going to be a good fit for her. And the agencies will say yes or no. And then out of those agencies, the top four that are offering the best benefit package and really in line with what she's looking for, maybe location, um, the parents region, all of those things are going to take into consideration when we're giving her her options. And then she'll decide which agency she's going to um, decide to work with. And we presented in a portal where she has access to see each of the agency's profiles. Our agency option advisor goes over those options, why we like that agency, what that agency's mission statement is, details on their benefit package, how those items are paid out, and um, access to the agency's website. We encourage the surrogate to meet with her spouse or partner to go through those details and decide which agency is going to be the right fit for her. And she chooses. And now that we are an agency and an option, we then also now get to support her in a way that I know that I felt supported and I want others to have that same support. And so it's kind of, it's been our mission statement that we didn't realize was going to be this thing that it is. And I am super excited about it. And um, we've had a lot of, a lot of good feedback from the surrogates you know, excited about that support that they're getting from services. So it's fun, but we also have to be, we're accountable for what we're doing too. So our surrogate advocate who originally did that screening is supporting her through this process. So there's that accountability for surrogacy as the agency from the surrogate. Surrogacy is the uh, support side of it. So if the surrogate is feeling neglected or having any concerns, 
we had that accountability from her surrogate advocate to say, hey, the surrogate doesn't feel like she got a phone call or whatever the case may be, because we don't we don't pretend to have it all figured out. We just want to do right by the entire journey. And we really believe a surrogate that has the right support and education is going to be a, a really a, a qualified to move through this process and for it to allow it to be um, a safe journey. Now, there's not going to be always no hiccups in that, right? But it will just allow for us to be able to support her and the intended parents in the best way that we, we know how. All right. Nice. Your, oh, what is your final like parting thought to send to any surrogate who is out there searching for the right agency for them? You know, it's really, um, I, I, it's hard for me to say this and for, I, it's so important to me that anybody who's listening knows that I mean this so authentically and not from the bias of, you know, this being my baby surrogacy is, but I really feel like any surrogate that goes through our process and gets connected with an agency through us has such an added benefit because that support never goes away. We don't connect our surrogates to an agency and then say goodbye and good luck. We stay with them throughout that process and continue to collaborate with the agency and be there for them all the way until they deliver and we get to call them and hear their their birth story at the end. And we're so excited to see them get across that finish line. Um, it's such a benefit. And for a surrogate, it costs them nothing. It's absolutely free service. And you have a whole team behind you that just has your back and you get our community support. So I think any surrogate who doesn't know where to start, who doesn't know how to find the right agency, especially if you have really particular ideas or match preferences, um, we can pretty much help you find an option. If surrogacy is possible for you and it's safe for you, now, there are going to be those agencies out there that will accept surrogates that are not qualified and will push them through the process. That's not us. You know, We absolutely are going to make sure it's safe for you first. But if it's possible for you to do a journey and to meet the specific ideas that you have in mind for what you want that journey to look like, starting with surrogacy is, is going to be the best place to start because we really care about your experience and we actually have the means to connect with so many agencies and find the one that's going to be right for you and what you're looking for. And I don't know why any surrogate wouldn't want to take advantage of that benefit. <laughs> Makes sense. Well, we really appreciate your time and sharing your own stories and about surrogacy is thank you for joining us. Thank you guys. I love what you're doing and I love your podcast. Thank you for having us. Oh, thanks. Thank you to Sunshine and to Casey for sharing about their own stories as well as surrogacy is and how it fits within the world of surrogacy and helping the, the journey be smoother for, for everyone. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely such a, a broad thing to put your arms around. It's, it's, it's nice to hear that people are out helping educate and make it easier for people, for sure. A huge thank you. To all of you who listen to us, of course, thank you to our team, especially a big thank you to Melissa, our amazing, amazing sound engineer. And as I said, to you who show up and listen to us week after week and listen to us babble, we really appreciate you and can't wait to talk to you next week. 